A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you give us a hunger for your word, a desire to hear your word, a desire to read your word, a desire to understand your word, and apply it to every part of our life. Lord, we ask for your blessing upon this part of the service as well. Thank you so much for your presence. Help us, Lord, to more deeply understand your principles. In Jesus' name, amen. We're looking briefly at Matthew 10, 24 through 42, and then we're going to zero in and take off. Jesus tells the people around him, verse 24 of Matthew 10, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. 
If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? If you get disrespected for being a Christian, it goes with the territory. Jesus was disrespected. Verse 28, therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. You may be in a season of getting slandered, persecuted, beaten, misunderstood. Just stand your ground, stay humble, trust God to defend you, know your friends will defend you. Because sometimes when you defend yourself, everything you say gets twisted. And what you're really saying is this. That's what people do. Isn't that that mean? You didn't mean that. This is what you meant. So you just have to be quiet. And then they'll say, what you mean by being quiet is you're guilty. And you just have to hold on and trust God because the truth will come out. Give him some time. Verse 27, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, ear, preach on the housetops. Verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Mine's a daily changing number. (laughs) Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Therefore, verse 32, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. So when Peter was tempted to deny the Lord, and he did, it hit him hard when he realized what he had done. Because he'd heard these words from the very lips of the word of God made flesh. Verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. In other words, the truth I'm bringing, everybody's not going to receive. And some people will be at odds with you, even those that are closest to you. Verse 37, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son and daughter more than me is not worthy of me. It came to my attention this week from some research that I read that the trend of evangelical churches becoming affirming of all forms of sexual perversion is based on disobedience to this very scripture. If you love your kids more than you, if your kid wants to become involved in some type of fornication, that's sexual activity outside of marriage between a husband and wife. And you don't want to lose them, so you become affirming of sin. What is that? That is loving your kids more than you love God. That is idolatry. As we shared earlier, we're all about reconciliation with our family. But you cannot agree with wickedness and call yourself a lover of Jesus. All right, we'll leave that alone but let it stand. And along those lines, let me just recommend two podcasters. They are awesome. You can just Google their names, not right now. But Rosario Butterfield, she's incredible. And Beckett Cook, he's awesome. They'll feed your soul. All right, verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
Now, I don't mean to seem critical, but there have been people at times that have taken this verse literally and gotten a wooden cross and trips across the country and even around the world. And Lord can use that, but that's a metaphor. The cross you have is your cross. We're saved by the finished work of Christ on the cross of Christ, but then we have a cross. We have something God has called us to do. And it's not to quit your job and drag a piece of wood around the world. It's to be a light where you are. In West Africa, when I was a missionary kid, they used to sing, Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. That's what we're called to do. Lay down our will and pick up his will, the unique will he has for your life, and do it. And it may mean being a missionary. It may mean... Not changing a thing, but being faithful. All right. Ooh, I felt that one. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. When in doubt about what God's calling you to do, see what the first church did. And don't cherry pick Acts. Read the whole book. Those people lay down their life for God's will to be done in the earth. Verse 40, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. So if you honor Jesus, you're honoring the Father. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. You know, if you're not received, you can't fully be yourself around people. You ever been to a family reunion where they still relate to you like you're that kid that wet his pants during the last one? You just, there's like a lid on your personality. You just can't bloom with those people. They're not your friends or your relatives. Keep going to them. Just understand that's a principle. Prophets are honored everywhere except home. But if you honor a person for the way God has gifted them, whether it's a prophet or not, they'll be able to be all that they can be that God has called them to be in your life, and you'll be blessed as a result. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. All right, let's zero in on verse 37 to 39. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. If it's all about your dreams being fulfilled, guess what? They're not all going to get fulfilled. But if you surrender to the will of God, he'll give you new dreams if need be. You lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Thank you, Lord, for your eternal word. That was Matthew 10, 24 to 42. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on honoring dying to self. Can you say self-denial? This is not a popular message. If you Google it, there's not many sermons out there like that. Uh, On my favorite Christian podcast app, I entered self-denial and got a bunch of entries. And most of them were the same thing over and over and over again. It's like, what are you trying to do? So I texted him, you guys trying to populate this with something because of the lack of emphasis on this subject. It's not popular. 
There's a problem in the Christian life if all you hear is what tickles your ears. Maybe you like to hear ranting and raving on certain subjects. That could be tickling your ears if you don't hear the whole thing. So we want the whole counsel of God. So today I'm preaching to myself more than anybody because self-denial is important. It's the meat of the gospel, all right? We accept Christ. We put our faith in him. He saves us. He gives us born again. He gives us new identities. We're the righteousness of God. We're the sons and daughters of God. We're the bride of Christ. We are a holy nation, a peculiar people, chosen generation. We could go on and on. That's a great subject to preach who we are in Christ. But who is Christ in us is more important. Is he Lord of all or Lord at all? That's what we're talking about today. Dying to self, living to Christ. Aaron DeAnthony Brown said one way to reframe the idea of dying to self is self-denial. That is saying yes to others more often than saying yes to oneself. This is so simple, we miss it. He goes on, the more we say yes to others, God and people, the better we can accomplish the two greatest commands within our lives. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourself. That one, Jesus raised a level of and says, love one another as I have loved you. Who knows we need God's help to do that? We do. The word self-denial is a noun, and it's defined as a denial of oneself. Everybody say, duh. (laughs) It's the forbearing to gratify one's own interests and needs. It's a holding back. It's not putting yourself first for your own interests and your own needs. It is self-sacrifice. Can we say self-denial? ways, that's the American church to the tune of amazing grace. That's what they're really doing. That's why I love it when we worship him, honor him for what he's done. That's so good. That impacts us, right? And then who he is. Nothing to do with us. All about him. I love both arms of worship. Can we say confront? Can we say crush? Can we say confirm? Dying itself confronts our conceits. We're having fun with the letter C today. Our pride and our arrogance. 
the emphasis upon me has something to do with our pride. And there are people out there pushing the concept of pride, celebrating your pride. And I'm very concerned when our president, when interviewed by the press about how extended we are, he says, we're America, we're the greatest nation in the world. It's like, ooh, man, pride comes before destruction. Lord, have mercy, have mercy. Not to put him down, but that's the attitude of most Americans. We got it going on, man. May God help us as believers to never forget our eternal citizenship is not temporary. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Anybody here get me on that one? Yes. So when we die to self, we die to our conceits. We let go of our pride and our arrogance. And when our pride gets hurt, we suck it up, cupcake. Life is not always easy. Stuff happens, right? Could be a 1-800 number. Dying to self confronts our conflicts. Are you always in conflict with people, mad at people, blah, blah, blah? Let it go. Just let it go. It's not worth it. If you win the argument, you're going to lose in the long run. Husbands. Let me tell you, this sermon is relevant to marriages and to singles. Because to be happily married requires death to self. And to be happily single requires death to self. Lord, I trust you to lead me and guide me. My destiny is in your hands. Conflicts. Dying to self confronts our controls. And we're preaching to the pastor right now. Our selfish priorities. Uh, the things that dominate and rule our lives. Sometimes you've got to let them go for the sake of God's kingdom increasing. Philippians 2, Paul wrote the church in Philippi, verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. If we live like that, our conflicts will go away. They'll decrease. You'll be able to agree to disagree, not have to win all the time. We prefer others more than ourselves. We'll let go of our conceit, our conflicts, and our control, and our conjectures. What is a conjecture? It's an uninformed opinion. It's a misperception. It's a prejudice. It's a preconceived notion that doesn't work in life and leaves you upset. Man, deny the lordship of that stuff in our life. How we see things needs to be the way he sees things. How many times have I run to the cross, Lord, help me see things the way you see them. Philippians 2 continues, verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who believes we have the mind of Christ? There it is. The mind of Christ is not a higher IQ for you. If that was truth, there'd be Christian millionaires everywhere. It's the attitude of Christ, the mindset of Christ, and here it is, who being in the form of God, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It wasn't wrong for him 
to hold on to his equality with God. He was God. But he made himself, but made himself of no reputation, verse 7, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So he humbled himself, let his reputation go, became a servant, came in the likeness of men, lived in a body that had to be fed and had to be bathed, had to be cared for. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself even more. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. From the throne of glory to the groan of our gory, that's Jesus for us. So dying to self confronts our conceits, our conflicts, our controls, our conjectures. When we truly surrender to the Lord, this stuff gets confronted. We see it for what it is. We have to deal with it. No one can do it for you. There's not a, a nice set of rules, step one, two, three, a recipe to successful living. No, it's, it's, it's the will of God reigning supreme in our life, confronting us for our pride, and pride is devious. It can appear as humility. Did you know that? Pride is devious. One guy told me, uh, you're not very humble. You just know it's dumb to be pride, be proud. It's true. Busted. Um, it deals with these things. It confronts them. But our part is to surrender them. Lord, I give up the way I see things. I give up always having to be heard. I give up always having to be about me. I'm part of two pastor's fellowships, and one of them has great meetings, but they're not always relevant to every pastor there. So guys quit going. Well, not relevant for me. But I've been going for years. Why? Because it's not all about me. There's going to be some beat-down preacher there that I can encourage. <laughs> the other guys are good guys. They just don't get it yet. All right. Dying to self crushes our comparisons. If you embrace self-denial, it will crush comparison. What is comparison? Comparison is what we do when we compare the worst of ourselves with the best of others. Most people on social media post all their victories. And you feel like a loser because you compare yourself to others. We're not supposed to do that. The Bible says it's not fair. God has a unique cross for you to carry, a unique slot for you to fill, a unique battle station for you to man. And meet a man. So comparing ourselves is not good. If you catch yourself doing that fast social media, you find out life continues, right? Do not compare yourself to anybody. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? So the remedy is death to self. I'm going to be faithful in what God called me to do and rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I'm going to embrace the cross. Because my crucifixion has been arranged. And some of those victories would be even more appreciated if you would see the hell that person has been through in their life. Hallelujah. None of us are really winners when compared to Jesus Christ. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. 
and his victory assures us victory. Well, are you telling us that we suck? No. You're made in the image of God. God has chosen you. God loves you. He's predestined you. He's got a calling for you. But the predestination in your life is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So when we compare ourselves, what is that? That is resurrecting pride. Let it go. Dying to self crushes our competitions. If you always have to one-up somebody, what is that? That's pride. That's self wanting to dominate. Self wanting to be seen. And it's based on envy. It just is. Envy is a huge problem in the world. Either we want to be envied or we envy others. We can't rejoice with them because our life isn't up to par. I didn't get a fair deal. I didn't get a fair shake. Let me say this to young people. If you compare yourself economically to people that have had a career, you know, 40 years of work behind them, that's not fair to yourself. You're just starting out. You're raising kids. You're having a family. You're building a life. And it ought to be an adventure. So stop comparing yourself to people that have had many advanced years in front of you. And don't compete with that. Don't compete with the Joneses. There's too many of them. If you don't think so, look at the phone book. Dying to self crushes our contentions. What is a contention? It's something we want to be contentious over. It could be prejudice, malice, grudging, grudges. could be bitterness. could be unforgiveness. Got an ax to grind over something you're upset about? Let it go. Embrace the cross. Die so that Christ can live. You know, you can't hurt a dead man. It's true. Die. The Lord crushed me years ago. First time I was ever at Glen Rose was at a men and boys retreat at Glen River Methodist Encampment. It involved a meal and time together in worship and then Saturday a trip to the Creation Science Museum. If you've not been there, go to that. It's interesting. Back then it was just a double Y. In the middle of the night, I awaken, and this thought will not leave me alone. I cannot shake it. I cannot sleep till I surrender to it. And the thought was, your friend Bill, who pastors a church in Miami, I'd been there more than once, is leaving Miami, and I am sending you to replace him. Well, just a year or so earlier, I had closed a church. I never wanted to try that again, so I argued with these thoughts. No, it's too soon. It's too soon. It's too soon. But I couldn't sleep. I wanted to sleep. So I finally said, okay, I'll go. Peace came and I fell asleep. Well, the next day I woke up and man, I was excited because I love me some Miami. (laughs) I could have a Cuban sub right now. I got real excited. And so, uh, When the event was over, I go home, get ready to go to work. I was working at the Crescent Hotel, parking cars that night. And a vet said, Bill called. Bill, yeah, Bill from Miami, he called. Really? So I called Bill before I left for work. He says, man, I'm leaving. Do you want to come take my place? I said, yes, but I need to seek my oversight. When God speaks to you, you want to obey, right? But when it's something huge, you don't want to mess up. Moving your family across the country and it be a mistake, mess up. 
I'm going to speak to my eldership, my pastor and the elders of Shady Grove Church, where I attended at the time. Okay, let me know what they say. So the next day is church. I meet with uh, one of the elders and set up an appointment the next day. I met with him, presented this story to him. He says, okay, I'll get back to you. So Tuesday, they had an elders meeting. And then Wednesday, they delivered the word to me. So during this time, from Saturday to Wednesday, I'm one excited young man. I was 30 years old, 31, I think. Real excited. Miami. They said, Here's what the, here was the decision of the elders. They said, you're to go if it happens exactly like God told you. If something changes, then don't risk it. So... I called Bill on Thursday, said, Bill, I can do it. Well, there's been a change. (laughs) I'm going to take a six-month sabbatical, so if you come here, it's just going to be for six months. I can't do it. What? I thought you said you'd heard from God. Yes, but my eldership helped me judge the word. It has to be exactly what God said. The only way I'm coming is if you're gone, out of there. sounded cruel telling my buddy that. No, that's not the way it's going to be. I said, well, I can't do it. I was mad at God for weeks. Why? I was sleeping. I had laid down my ministry. It was painful to close a church. I mean, your pride gets crushed. All sorts of other stuff happens, and your relatives are hard on you. In Miami and all this stuff. And so finally one day in prayer, I came to a place of surrender, and in my journal, I drew a picture of a grave in my feeble penmanship and had grass and the headstone and uh, wrote Alan Latta on it. And below the grass, I wrote, Here Lies Life the way Alan Latta wanted it. Below Here Lies Life the way Alan Latta wants it, I wrote, It's all over. I surrendered, peace came, and I was dead to that temptation. So much so, I think I went back to that church a couple of times over the years and ministered and not felt one tinge of envy or even a desire to move there. God did a thorough work. Boom. What did I do? I surrendered to God and gave him the right to change his mind. Oh, my theology, God doesn't change his mind. Oh, really? Have you read the story of Jonah? God's a person. He can do what he wants He's the Lord. So I could be pouting and bitter and contentious and messed up for the rest of my life and be useless, and I certainly wouldn't be here. Or I could embrace the cross, allow the crucifixion to happen, and live the resurrected life. Now, please know this. I have not arrived. This is a daily walk, folks. Pick up your cross daily, the text in Luke 9 says. Peter wrote, Beloved, his first letter, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Did he not pray, Father, if there's some other way, take this cup away from me? 
14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. How does a busybody get busy? Comparisons, envy, conflicts. Yet, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. So embracing the suffering in our life, if you know it's the will of God, and it's not because of your wickedness, you can get fired being wicked or being stupid, right? Let all this stuff go. Crush it. It's got to be destroyed. When it raises its ugly head, it's a signal you got to deal with it again. It's called our flesh, our self-confidence, our self-reliance, our self-actualization, our self, our self, our self, me, 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 me. Dying to self crushes our contempts, which is disregard. We don't realize we do it, but disregard. You know, there's people that have contempt for the scriptures. They really do. They have a narrative to dodge what the scriptures actually say, and they'll make a beeline for it as soon as they can. I was raised in a denomination that had a beeline through the scriptures because they had contempt for things that didn't agree with their theology. We've got to embrace the whole counsel of God. And people, people are important. Peter continues, verse 17, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? John the Baptist said it best. He said, I baptize with water, but the one coming after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And fire. Some people get real excited about that, but read the rest. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his threshing floor and burn up all the chaff. What is the baptism of fire? It's God's sanctifying, cleansing work in our lives, bringing us to a place of embracing the cross so that we die to self. That's the work of Jesus. Verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, in this day and time, they were really suffering. Losing stuff, losing relatives who are being executed, being exiled, suffering under the Romans, suffering under the religion of Judaism, losing their jobs, losing relationships. They were suffering. In our case, many times suffering is a metaphor for being slighted, offended, hurt. Dying to self will eliminate the vast majority of church hurts. Who's been hurt in church? Church can hurt you, man. But it's not about me not being hurt. It's about Christ being glorified who was hurt for me. So I gladly embrace my suffering at whatever level it is. Dying to self confirms our calling. Unless we embrace the cross and do what we're called to do, we will live an unfulfilled life and will stand before God not having fulfilled the calling he's given us to do. 
Because to do the will of God, you have to let go of some stuff. You know how to trap a monkey? You tie a box to a tree, put a hole in the box just big enough for the monkey's hand to go through, but small enough when he grabs a treat that you put in the box, the bait, that he can't get his hand out. And he is so greedy, he will not release the treat. And they catch him that way. Don't be trapped by personal desires so that you do not do the will of God. I had a pastor friend in Plano who wanted to teach in a Bible school, wanted to teach in a Bible school. I need a Bible school. So a door opened for him to teach at a Bible school in Cleburne. He would have to move. And he said, no, be too far away from the grandkids. He'll stand before God one day. Who's he loving more? I love my grandkids. I see them as often as I can. But it's not about my family. It's not about idolatry. It's about the will of God reigning supreme. And if I'm so tormented with the call of God to teach in Bible school and a door opens, I better go to it because that could be a stepping stone back to another Bible school in the town where you live. Dying to self confirms our confidence. Are you tired of being inconfident? Put your confidence in God. Put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And know there's a target on your back. It goes with the territory. I'm going to do what God has called me to do regardless. So intimidation has to go. If you know that you're called to do what you're doing, intimidation has to go. And you can relax in the Lord, being confident that the story's not over. No matter how much injustice happens, you can move forward in your life because you're dying to self. Oh, I wish my past was better. You know, that's a waste of time. You can't change the past. You can certainly impact the future by changing the present. Death to self is the key to resurrection. You know what a happy marriage is? Two funerals, one resurrection. (laughs) Dying to self. If both parties die to self, there will be a resurrection. Now, in marriage... One person can tear up a marriage, but it takes two to make a marriage. So, die to self. Dying to self confirms our conforming to Christ, not to the world. What would Jesus do is not just a cute little acronym, WWJD, or a nice T-shirt or some fun wristbands or your favorite Christian music CD, what would Jesus do is a question to always ask when faced with decisions. To always ask when you are offended or you feel slighted or you're disappointed or dismayed or discouraged. Notice your courage gets dissed. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, verse 1, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We are to present ourselves as living sacrifices. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The world doesn't do that. They do not present themselves as living sacrifices. The closest the world comes to doing that 
is the military. They lay down their lives for their country, for their cause, only to get disrespected when they come home. But that goes with the territory. They're committed to die for us that we can have freedom. Christ did that for us, and we're to do that for him, to present ourselves, our, even our very bodies, as a living sacrifice. In the Old Covenant, when you brought your sacrifice to the Lord, the priest would examine it before it was offered, and it could not have any spot or blemish on it. Otherwise, it would be rejected. So our redemption was secured eternally by the perfect sacrifice Pilate said it best, I find no fault in him. The perfect lamb was slain for us from the foundation of the world and in real time, almost 2,000 years ago. So he died for us. We're to live for him in such a way it may lead to death, but it will lead to death to our desires, death to our selfishness, Death to our prejudices, death to our opinions, death to our sense of fairness even. Go ahead and die so you can be free. Let it go, let it go, let it go. So a living sacrifice confirms our calling, our confidence, and our conforming to Christ and our continuing lifestyle of laying down our lives. This is how we are to live. Verse 3 of Romans 12 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The old King James says the measure of faith. So our ministry that we do for the Lord is dependent on the measure of faith he gives us to do what we do. Whether it's prophesying, we do that in proportion to our faith. Giving in proportion to our faith. Serving in proportion to our faith. Teaching in proportion to our faith. And so our faith is based on the words we hear from God. And the word we're hearing from God, I'm hearing from God today, is it's not about Alan Ladd, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. He can take me out anytime. It's his plan, not mine. We're talking about dying to self. How can you live a peaceful life knowing that our will is not always going to be fulfilled? By embracing what Proverbs says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So you plan your plans, and then you say, Lord, have your way. Let your wisdom be prevailing in this situation. James chapter 4, verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, quote, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, unquote. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? So he's reasoned with people that make all these big plans, knowing they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor. Can we say, say it, that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. 
Our life is nothing compared to eternity. Here's an equation for you. Eternity minus 10,000 years equals eternity. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So there's freedom in living the life, making plans, but submitting them to the Lord and say, Lord, as you will, we will do this or that. According to your will. The Lord willing is not just a cute little preface to a statement. It is a lifestyle. If I live as the Lord wills, then I'm not holding on to stuff too tight. If I live as the Lord wills and things don't work out the way I thought, it's like, okay, Lord, preaching to myself here. Okay, Lord, what do you have planned? Where do we go from here? Some of you have gone through the tragedy of divorce or you've entered into widowhood. I mean, you've had some sad things that are in your story, but you're still here. The story's not over. So as the Lord wills, Lord, what what do you have us to do? This is not name it and claim it, kill it and chill it, stab it and slab it, blab it and grab it. This is as the Lord wills living. This is a higher level of faith. Surrendering to his will. Let's end with Jesus right here. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Somebody said daily. Daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What does that mean? It means surrender your life. We're back on that theme we ended on a few weeks back when we talked about following Jesus. When did you give your life to the Lord? The testimony should be this morning or last night or recently. I give my life to the Lord. Not for the first time, obviously, but we give our life to the Lord daily. Lord, what do you want? There's been a tragedy. Maybe you're House burned down, I don't mean to diminish anybody's pain. Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But you're still here. What are you going to do? One of my favorite movies is called Antoine Fisher. It's a true story of an African-American sailor who was very violent, could not get along with fellow sailors, causing havoc on the ship he was stationed on. And so the story is his appointments. He's a real person on the DVD. You can see him interviewed. Appointments he had with the psychiatrist in the Navy, played by Denzel Washington, bringing him to a place of nonviolence. And it came by confronting those who abused him when he was a little boy. The high point of the movie, you can actually find clips of this on YouTube. People have isolated it in multiple places. He knocks on the door of the foster home where the mama would lock him in the closet for hours, would beat him in the face with a wet dish rag. And there he is, a strong sailor, dressed in his whites. She answers the door and says, Oh, babe. He said, Don't baby me. You tried to destroy me, but I'm standing strong. 
You tried to destroy me, but I'm still standing. So by dying to self, we're not saying live a lazy life of fatalism. We're saying embrace the cross, get up, and follow Jesus. Because you're still standing. What happened to you is very destructive. But you're still here. You're still standing. God has a calling for you and I to fulfill. The story's not over. The fields are white, ready to harvest. What is he calling you to do? Do it. You might be in a season of just resting and laying down your will, but continue seeking God. When I first got this revelation and closed the church, I developed a theology, I could preach it backwards and forwards, that dreaming was evil. And a friend came and confronted me, rebuked me. said, God gave you the ability to dream. What you do is you pursue the Lord with your dream, not the dream with your Lord. I had it backwards. So dream, big dreams, but then go to the Lord with them and say, Lord, circumcise this thing, kill this thing, break this thing, redirect this thing, steer this thing, because I want to do your will, not my will, but thine be done. Praise Jesus. Amen.